Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Let's open our beautiful Bibles to the Gospel of St. John, the ninth chapter. Gospel of St. John, the ninth chapter. Praise the Lord. Today I came to bury certain doctrine. Praise the Lord. Sometimes... We just come to preach, but sometimes we come to bury. So I hope you have your hankies with you and your condolence fee. <laughs> After service, every car you, go in, you, you see outside is going to drive off to bury you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Today we are burying, tell your neighbor, today we are burying a doctrine. John chapter 9, verse 1. Let's read. Let's go. One, two, three, let's go. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did see this man or his parents that he was born blind? Uh-huh. Jesus answered, Neither has this man seen nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today we are burying a doctrine. Now, I want you to listen to me. The disciples find Jesus, they find, with Jesus, find a blind man in the first verse. And the Bible says, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. That means from the day this man came out of his mother's womb, the doctors realized the man was blind. Next verse. And his disciples, the Bible says, asked him, who sinned? This man or his parents that was born blind? Let's first leave the parents thing because that's what I'm coming to. Let's begin with this man. If he was born blind, at what point did he sin? You think with me. If, if he was born blind, at what point did he sin? That is how sin-cautious people are. That's how what? Sin-cautious believers are. Some Christians or believers are too sin-cautious. That even where sin can't be, they can put it there. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? There used to be an old teaching we were raised in for some of us who know nominal Christianity. Everything that happened, people used to say, Uinache wakoze. Oh, you just can't get an accident. Where did you fall? You get my point? Because Christians are sin conscious. Believers are sin conscious. They are too conscious about sin that they can even accord it without thought where it is. How can you ask, did he sin? Yet he was born. That means that there must have been a doctrine during their time to validate sinning in the womb. 
Ukumanya they were deep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now we go deeper. Besides that, they say, was it him or his parents? Meaning, the doctrine of generational curses is not new. Even in Jesus' time, it existed. Men could look at something and say, This must be a grandmother thing because the way it is responding, it must be of a certain brother, cousin, sister's uncle. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's how cautious people are. That's how cautious people are. The other was tuning on radio and a certain pastor, well known, I'll not mention his names because he might be your pastor. He said, me, I don't talk things that have not confirmed. This was a man of God. He said, just generation. Did you hear? So the guy said that for the years that he has spent in salvation, he has come to the conclusion some things are generational. Then he gave life examples. And you know there's a difference between life and alive. <laughs> That's the difference between fact and truth. So he gave life examples. He says, for example, there's someone who has a heart disease. But we can realize that your father also had a heart disease. So when I look at you, I realize that this demon of your grandfather, your father, sorry, that brought her disease, was also gotten from his grandfather who died of her disease. You get my point? And therefore, we can locate and say, somebody up there in the family line did some things. For example, for example, for example, the list is endless. And so, he started to teach what this carried as impression in the family. Recently, again, I was driving with some people in the car, and I happened to tune a, I think I could have been Nigerian or Ghanaian man of God. Oh, my God. He began well. By the way, he began in a, I was with you, Michael. He began well. He began so well. He began in a very wonderful way to expose the word. And then when he reached in the middle, he started and said that some people, there are some things that come from the curses of their forefathers, the sins of their forefathers. So they are paying from the sins of their forefathers. I said. But this is not new doctrine. John chapter 9 shows you Jesus experienced the same guys. And look at the answer of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, this man did not sin. Jesus said, this man has not sinned. Listen to the language. He didn't say this man did not sin. To correct the sin alluded to him in the mother's womb. He says this man has not sinned. Neither his parents. That's how Jesus is unconscious to sin. Look at the language. This man has not sin. Neither his parents. They have not. Look at the Lord talk. Does that mean that the parents were 100% straight? Is it true? 
The Bible says by the law no flesh can be justified. Definitely he was placing a justification that is after his person as Christ. He cannot say neither has this man nor his family, nor his parents. At what point does he say neither have they sinned? Does he mean to say that since they were young and now old they've not sinned? No. It means to say that that's how God thinks. You, you can think the way you think. That's how God what? Thinks. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me introduce to you something. There's something called the law of genealogy. Write it if you want. If you don't want, don't worry. Keep it in your head. But there's something in the scriptures known as the law of genealogy. Genealogy has a law. Chronicles. First Chronicles 9.1. Yes, read. One, two, three, go. Uh-huh. So, all Israel uh-huh, were reckoned by genealogies. Read it again. All, all Israel were reckoned by genealogy. Read it the last time. So, all Israel were recorded by genealogy. There's a law I want to introduce to you before I expound. Eh? When the Bible says that all Israel were reckoned by genealogy, were counted by genealogy, were regarded by genealogy, you must understand there's a difference between Israel and Jacob. You get my point? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? They are children of Israel because they are offsprings of Jacob. Who understands what I'm saying? Israel, the name is derived from a man which fights with God and overcomes. And he goes back limping. And within this man, you realize that two people start to appear. There is the Jacob, the Bible calls him the supplanter, the thief, the trickster. Who did not wake up to say, I'm going to want to be a a robber. But he just woke up and there was a name given him. And he started to work under the dictates of thiefery or trickery. So he is a victim of circumstance to remember and later. Because he's not the one who wakes up in the morning to say, I'm going to steal. He's just a thief. Naturally. He was named Jacob. Trickster. You get my point? He steals the brother's birthright. The scriptures tell us. And when he steals the brother's birthright, he runs away. Long story short, when he wants to meet Esau, he knows he's going to be killed. And the only thing he can do is to meet a God who has to bail him out. And he thinks he's coming to God for bailing out. Yet God's business was actually he wanted to change his name. Because there are certain things in your life that can't change until your name is changed. Because the name comes with the identity. You're not just named. You get my point? You're not just what? Named. That's why parents should not just name. You don't just name. Hallelujah. Every name comes with significance. Hallelujah. Now, I'm explaining this. He fights with God, and God tells him, Now thou art Israel. And from that day, two men start to walk in one man. The outward man is called Jacob. The inward man is called Israel. The scriptures give us experiences where one time when Joseph was away, I think it's Joseph, uh, Genesis 45, when the Bible says when, they, when he heard the voice, when he heard, when he was told of the coming of Joseph, and then he saw the carriage and the chariots and the horses, the Bible says that the spirit of their father revived, and Israel said, the Bible says when Jacob saw, can we go there, Genesis 45? I think it's in the second, uh-huh. listen, let's read, uh-huh. and then they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, listen, the spirit of Jacob, the spirit 
of Jacob revived. And what happened? And Israel said, you get it? The spirit of Jacob revived and Israel said. The spirit of Jacob revived and Israel said. Jacob is the outward guy. Israel is the guy inside. He's the spirit that speaks. And the Bible says the spirit of Jacob said, Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. It's the very spirit under which when you're separating Ephraim and Manasseh, the scriptures tell us that the guy who separated the two was not Jacob. It was Israel. When he was living and leaving a blessing on his children, the same spirit and principle worked. He said, gather ye children of Jacob. Gather ye sons and listen to what Israel, your father, has to say. Because Jacob could not prophesy, Israel had to prophesy. So it's not by mistake that the scriptures change names from Jacob to Israel. Now see something amazing in the law of genealogy, in the Israel line. He says, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after birthright. That's another depth. Besides you being counted by genealogy like the scriptures say, it means that anything called gene, when it comes to you, we count you by the gene of God, okay? Because you're Israel now, you're not Jacob. But if you're not born again, you're not among the people I'm talking about. You're just enjoying the sermon until you get born again at the end. Say amen. amen. Now, but when you get born again, when you come to the life of Christ, you become Israel. You become a prized possession called Israel. The Bible calls you an eternal excellence. When you become an eternal excellence, there's another thing about the law of genealogy. He said that the law of genealogy is not recorded to birthright. Meaning, in this order of the spirit, the first can be last. I'm saying here, Reuben was the firstborn. Are you hearing me? But he went with his father's concubine. And when he went with his father's concubine, the father felt that he should switch birthright. And he said, you're no longer firstborn. Joseph is firstborn. But because Israel is reconned by genealogy, there's another law underlying there that when he chooses to say the lastborn is firstborn, he must be firstborn. So you're entirely who Israel says you are. Not your age, not your height, not your balance. That is why the scriptures say that the race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, neither bread to the men of skill. But there is a chance that happens to every man of God. What am I trying to tell you? I'm telling you that you can be the second born and still be the greatest in your family. You can be the third born and still be the greatest in your family. You can be the last born and still be the greatest in the family because the genealogy is not reckoned after birthright. So it doesn't mean to say, oh, let me even worsen it. It doesn't mean to say that because you submitted under Apostle Grace the longest time, it means that you're the firstborn. And that is what Christians don't understand in church. Why is it that we have been here for so long? We have served this much. Our nails are bleeding. But then somebody comes and then they are new in the ministry. And then they give them certain position. Simple. The law of genealogy does not request. Uh, it doesn't recon after birthright. It is reckoned on the diligence of the man's spirit. That is why one farmer starts and is, he hires one farmer in the morning, he hires another in the afternoon, hires another one in the evening, hires another one at dawn, and then he pours them the same amount. I'm trying to help somebody who thinks that because they've been in salvation for 20 years, 
Therefore, they have a certain place with God. Genealogy is not reckoned after the age. It's not reckoned after how much you are birthed and how long you've been in the gospel. The only important thing about genealogy is simple. Relationship. How much do you know God? You're not going to spend 20, 30 years, 100 years in the gospel and still beat flies. And a guy gets in God one month. Bakatakasata. And God is already working in him. Again, I repeat, the rest is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, neither bread to the men of skill, but there is an opportunity that happens to every man. It's called your divine window. When it came, what did you do with yourself? That is why it's very important in the seasons of your life to know your particular timing. Let me tell you why I'm telling you. This. The Lord spoke to me very clearly. I, and I'm past prophesying to make you happy. No, I'm past that level. You're already happy. <laughs> Some of you, you're going to go so far than people who came before you. <laughs> Let me repeat it in a more deep voice. Some of you are going to get so far than the people who came before you. I know they began to do business before you, but that's okay. The Lord will quicken you. I know they entered ministry early, but that's okay. The Lord will quicken you. I know they entered marriage early. That's okay. The Lord will quicken you. Because this is entirely a genealogy story. And that is where I realized that there's a place in God where some people's experiences don't suffice until they meet the experience called quickening. The Bible says that the flesh profiteth nothing, but the spirit quickeneth. What am I trying to tell you? Some of you here, you must, no, you, we don't hope you will be, you must be quickened by the Holy Ghost. Because you're reckoned by genealogy and a genealogy that is not after birthright. Let them come first. Let them drive the car first. Let them build first. It's okay. Let them dress first. It's okay. Let them buy the cars first and, and, and mobile phone. That's okay. But when you come, some of you, you worry when people go ahead of you. Because you think that that's there, it is. Let me tell you about the spirit. The spirit realm is what will find a man here and get a man do like this, okay? And then another Christian, while this man is doing that, will be like this. And then one salmon. He says it's not by power, not by might. Not by machine, not by connection, not by degree, not by masters, not by PhD, not by network, not by cousin brother, Freaky Freddy, Dirty Willie, Sleepy Bunny. It's about the spirit. I feel God quicken somebody. You don't need to believe it. You watch. Watch. I bet when Joseph was born, he knew he was just another born. 
he knew he was just another born. But the one thing he got born with was called a dream. And it doesn't matter how long or what he has to go through. Whether you throw him in a pit, whether you put him behind bars, whether you lie about him, whether he prophesies in your life and then you forget him in the barn, that is no business. Guy Arikechi into try to understand. You cannot get in a way of a dreamer. You can stand in a way of a firstborn, but you can't get in a way of a dreamer. You can get in a way of a second and third born. But when we come to dreams here, there is no way you can get. Listen, if, if Joseph lived in this dimension and dispensation, Joseph will, be demo, will have a spirit of rejection. Some people will say he has a spirit of rejection. From the cousin. That same spirit was on his father. That is why when Laban saw him, he rejected him and gave him a fake woman instead of the real. They can do anything to explain phenomena. Hallelujah. But I've realized one thing. There is something that quickens men. The reason why I'm trying to tell you is some, there's someone here, oh, you've been working for 10 years, you don't see any pay, you don't see something significant with yourself, that shouldn't scare you. Don't, hey. There is something in God that can quicken you in one day. One day! Because it's a genealogy issue. You're who you are generated from. God can be slow to do something, but when he's when he's made up to do it, he will do it. Whether you want it or not, whether you feel it or you don't feel it, if he's made up to do something, he will do it. He will do it. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's continue. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So when I studied the scriptures, I realized from whence certain people come from. Of course, I know that the children of Israel had as well read Exodus 34. Of the God who is forgiving and merciful, but also does not forget... To visit iniquity of the children and their sons and their sons' sons. Who has ever read that person of scripture? Yeah, let's read. Uh-huh. Keeping mercy uh-huh, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilt. Listen, visiting the iniquity of their fathers upon the children and upon the children's children. And to the third, ha. When men saw this, they said, somebody uses that as a sermon. Now, today I wanted to show you something. I, I thought it through and I realized some of you read, the fathers, the children are set on the edge, so it shall not be said. Some of you just know head knowledge. But let me show you something in Ezekiel 18. Let's read Ezekiel almost. I want us to read almost the whole chapter. Praise the Lord Jesus. 18. With that? Let's read. Uh-huh. The word of the Lord came unto me again saying, let's hurry. Uh-huh. What mean ye? That use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, not Jacob. Uh-huh. Saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on the edge. He's asking the question. What do you mean? Uh-huh. He says, as I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Many people have, have not understood that he's saying in Israel, but it can be used in Jacob. Let's be clear here. It can be used in Jacob, the unborn again fellow. Because he's not been sanctified by the blood. And I'm coming on something regarding the blood. Hallelujah. But many people know this portion of scripture. We always mention it here and there, isn't it? But I want to go deep in it and just you understand the mind of God. Let's read. Uh-huh. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Next verse. Uh-huh. Behold, 
all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. We're coming back to the redemption of the soul. Okay? Mm -hmm. But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right, uh and has not eaten upon the mountains, neither has lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, neither has defiled his neighbor's wife, neither has come near to a menstruous woman, uh uh-huh, and has not oppressed any, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, had spoiled none by his violence, has given his bread to the hungry, has covered the naked with a garment. Uh-huh. The Bible says, He that has not given forth upon usury, neither has taken away any increase, that has withdrawn his hand from iniquity, and has executed true judgment between man and, and man, uh-huh. has walked in my statutes, and has kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just, he shall surely live, said the Lord. Now listen to the next verse. If he beget a son, now he has produced the son, that is a robber, listen, the righteous man, that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that does the like, any one of these, does the like, uh-huh, and that, and, and that doth not any of those duties, but even has eaten upon the mountains and defiled his neighbor's wife, uh-huh, has oppressed the poor and needy, has spoiled by violence, has not restored the pledge, and has lifted up his eyes to the idols, has committed abomination, let's go, has given forth upon usury and has taken increase, shall he then be alive because the father was good? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Now let's continue to the third. Now, lo, he also now produces a child that sees his father's sins which he has done, and considereth and gets born again. You see? You see where we're going? Uh-huh, let's continue. That has not eaten upon the mountains, neither has lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, has not defied his neighbor's wife, uh-huh, neither has oppressed any, has not withholden the pledge, neither has spoiled by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and has covered the naked with a garment, uh-huh, that has taken off his hand from the poor, that has not received usury, no increase, has executed my judgments, has walked in my statutes, so he shall not die for the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. He has given you three generations. Three. The first generation was good. The second fellow became funny. The third became good. And you realize that the first fellow who was good lives. The second fellow who became funny died. The third fellow who became good. Yet say ye, why? Does not the son bear the iniquity of the father when the son has done that which is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and has done them, he shall surely live. Uh-huh. The soul that what? Soon it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from his sins that he has committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live and he shall not die. And all his transgressions that has committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him in his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Uh-huh. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? This is God asking, said the Lord. And not that he should return from his ways and leave. Uh-huh. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doth according to all the abominations that the wicked doth, shall he leave? 
all his righteousness that he has done shall not be more mentioned. In his, in his trespasses that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he has sinned, in them shall he die. Next verse. Yet you say, listen, the way of the Lord is not equal. Oh, give me the message version on that verse so you understand. Do I hear you saying that's not fair? God's not fair. Listen, Israel, I'm not fair. You're the ones who are not fair. You're the ones who are not fair. That means when they read Exodus and they mastered the God visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the fourth generation, when they read it, are you hearing me? And then they had him change it, they realized God was not fair. You see how human beings think. You see, let me tell you, natural human beings are vengeful. You understand? In my neighborhood where I was raised, there used to be a man, he raped a girl, somebody's neighbor's kid, okay? When he did, the brothers of the raped girl also plotted and raped the man's daughter. You get it? And the girl lost her uterus because she became pregnant at a very early age and that uterus could not hold it, okay? To some people, that is called justice. That's how human beings define justice. If he stole, let his children and his children's children rot. Now, to the human being, because it's an evil nature, they feel it's fair. Now, these are the guys who start to tell God, no, that's not fair. Why are you forgiving this guy yet? It is his father who had the sin. That spirit has not left men. There are some men who still feel it's unfair that you're not paying for your father's iniquity. I repeat, there are some people who still think that it's not fair that you've not paid for your father's iniquity. And God is asking, who is not fair? Me or you? You're the one who is not fair. Let the soul that sinneth what? Are we together? Are we together? Now let's go deep. That one, now we've understood. Eh? Let's talk about the blood. Leviticus 17 verse 11. I want to introduce something here. Let's read. Uh-huh. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Are you hearing? And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Let me first submit to this. Blood only makes atonement for souls, not spirits. That is why the blood shed on Calvary can't save evil spirits. That's why they don't have, they don't have access to the salvation story. No evil spirit can say, I, evil spirit so-and-so, accept the Lord and Savior as my personal Lord. I am born again today. You can't preach to that kind of spirit because no spirit in the earthly gulf can be rescued by the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is entirely an atonement for the soul. You get my point? Who understands what I'm saying? I mean to say, the Christian listening to me now is not an atonement of blood. The spirit listening to me now is a result of the atonement of the blood for his soul. Because when we look in those two planes, your spirit has never sinned. So it requires no salvation and a shedding of blood. Because the principle is that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But the spirit man has never sinned because it's born of God. The Bible says that that which is born of God does not sin. It cannot sin. You understand? Let's read it. Uh, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin 
for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The same scripture says that you are born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. It liveth and abideth forever. Your spirit man has never known sin because he's begotten of God. And that which is begotten of God cannot know sin. Look at Jesus. He was the firstborn, the Bible says, of the begotten of the Father. And the firstborn of the begotten of the Father meant there was another bone coming. You understand? But before the other bone comes, the firstborn, the first example of one begotten of the Father, the Bible tells us he knew no sin. So the second bone cannot sin. The second bone cannot know sin. Because if it didn't happen with the first one, it won't happen with the second one. Again, you're recorded by genealogy. If it worked in Christ, it works in you automatically. Now, the part where your souls were, because the first Adam was a living soul. The Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. The first Adam was not a living spirit. The first Adam was a living soul. He was not a spiritual being. He was a soulless being with a body. When Jesus died, he died with, for the soul of the man. That is why when we are preaching the gospel, we say we are going to save souls. We don't save spirits. We don't save spirits. We save souls. Hallelujah. He that wins souls is wise. What is the place? The place where the soul is converted, it accepts the free precious gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and bam. That is salvation. When salvation, when the soul accepts Jesus, the spirit comes and settles in the man. When the spirit comes, the spirit enters the body and soul and it is new to everything. It cannot do the things of the cell, of the flesh. And that is why the Bible says that the flesh is an enmity to the spirit and the spirit enmity to the flesh. The spirit cannot do the dictates of the flesh because it is begotten of God. It does not know how to sin. That is why Paul calls them the saints at Ephesus. He calls them the saints at Corinth. He calls them the saints in Colossae. He doesn't call them the sinners saved by grace in Colossae. So you know the sinner saved by? You are a saint. Say amen. I am. Say amen. Say amen. But some people think it's humility to say, Hi, we are sinners. We are sinners. Do you realize the spirit is confessing it? Do you realize the spirit born of God is confessing it? That means God is corruptible. That means God can sin. And yet the Bible says God cannot be tempted, neither tempted he any man with sin. That means that the devil can tempt God. So when a Christian says, we are sinners, they think it's humility. We are sinners. Don't say you are hurry. You are not hurry. You are a sinner. Saved by grace. And every time they say that, I say to them, no. I'm a saint. In grace. Because the principle in Leviticus is very clear. Atonement for the blood is on only in the level of the soul. That is why you're not the redeemed of the Lord. You might never understand it. Let the redeemed of the No, listen. Understand the spirit. No, you might stone me after, but understand this. The part that needed redemption in you was the soul, not the spirit. 
So you are a fruit of redemption. You are a fruit. You're a result of the redeemed. So you're supposed to be a fruit of redemption. Not the redemption. Redeemed. Redeemed means that when salvation came, you still passed over with a certain nature. You're just redeemed, but the nature has never changed. That's not so. When you became born again, you became a new creation. Behold, the old is past, and now the new. And the Bible says, and all things are of God. So, we are fruits of redemption. We're not the redeemed. The redeemed one died. The redeemed one died with Christ. That is why you are called born again. Not of flesh and blood. Neither the will of men, but born of God. Not of human intention, but you are born again of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. You're a fruit of redemption, church. You're not a redeemed. The redeemed one died in the soulish realm. The soul that was redeemed. So when Paul says, when he died, we died with him. There was no need for that which didn't seem to die. Which is the spirit. There was no need for that which is the spirit to die. There was no need for the, seed, for the spirit that seemed not to die. And that principle was also subject to Jesus. Jesus could not die unless he carried sin. And that's why the scriptures say, he bore our sins. Because that which has not seen has, cannot die. The wages of sin is death. So the soul you, the soulish realm of you, which had sinned, is that which could bear iniquity and be judged and blood come to cover. So when the Bible says, when he died, we died. There is a, that was the you that died. When he was raised, we raised. The part of you that raised now is the spirit man. Born again. Not of flesh, blood, nor the will and emotion, nor the soulish realm and decision. Because when the Bible says not born of the will of man, you realize he means it's not the thing your father had in his heart when he saw your mother. Because that's also an activity of the soul. Souls have emotions. You were not born under feelings. Neither do you produce under feelings. Some of you must know what begat you. When you know, even your prayer will change. Now, look at this mystery. God is mentioned in Chronicles. Gundi begat Gundi. So and so begat so and so. So and so begat so and so. And right in the middle. And then he says, oh, but there was a guy called Jabez. For they named him Jabez because the mother bathed him in pain. Are you hearing me? For he was called Jabez because his mother bathed him in This story, eh? was just thrown in like, Bwah. it wasn't intended, no. It was as though God was writing Chronicles and saying, I don't know where I should throw Jabez's story. I had to go into Chronicles, you understand? Have you ever read it? Okay, no. You, 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 where is it? Is it, is that it? Uh-huh. Uh, let's go from verse 7. Begin with from verse 8, okay. You see how verse 8. Uh-huh. And the sons of Helal were Jereth and Jehoah and Ethan and, listen, uh-huh, and Koz, Bigatanum, and Zobeba, and the families of Aharel, the son of Arum, and Jabez was, a ma- was more honorable. You see? God just threw his story in Chronicles, and then he just continued. 
Because he wanted to place a certain testimony of Christ somewhere and it didn't fit anywhere. Because you don't even see who begat Jabez for Jabez now to have a story. You go back to verse 8 and see. Go back to verse 8 and see. You see, go back to verse 8. Uh-huh. And cause begat Anub and Zobeba. And the families of Ahariel were the son of Harun. Uh-huh. We're expecting now to follow up with the sons of Harun. And then we see, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. For his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. Next verse. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, not Jacob, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. And in that thine hand, I, and that thine hand might be with me, that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve, grieve me, sorry. And God granted him that which he requested. Why? Because the guy was simply bathed in pain. Expand my territory. You see, my mother bathed me in pain. I wish you know how much pain God begot you. Wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, ye were healed. You were also begotten in pain. Jabez, wake up and smell the coffee. You have the right. You have the right to ask for territory. Very simple. If a guy born by a simple woman could ask for territory, you were born by Jesus' death and resurrection. He shed his blood. He says, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition. He was laid like a lamb to the slaughter, but he answered them nothing. Yet we consider him smitten and afflicted of God. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By whose stripes you became born again. Now, what is wrong with you? Or what is wrong with you telling God, my house is small. Why is it so hard for you to tell God, expand my business? Eh. Because you, you're not a Jabez story. You're not of a woman. No, you are of a God. It had to take God. Now, also you, you were bursting pain. You see, some of you must learn to. One time I saw a woman and then. She had a kid, and the kid was about two and a half. She came and said, Mommy, Mommy, come. Where are you taking me, baby? Come. Where are you taking me, baby? <laughs> come. Then Mommy started to come. You don't even use the stairs. Come. Then the baby starts to make Mommy like this. This, this, is, this is baby, two years. <laughs> mommy, come. He's just bored, you understand? And then Mommy just does what? That's the same way you should be with God. Papa God, come. Papa God, see, see, see. I want that car, Papa. I want that car. Don't go yet, Papa. I need you. Come, come, come. Even that plot of land, I want it. Papa, Papa, come, come. That's the girl I want to open. Shake it, eh, Papa? He said, whatsoever you ask when you pray, whatsoever. But some of you, when you go to Jehovah God, you go like, Father, I'm old, I'm tired. These guys are getting successful. Me, I'm not increasing. So and so bought a car. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. The Bible says, whatsoever you ask. 
That's how you should treat Papa God. He loves to spoil you. Get a bit spoiled. Banai, muononeke konamweo. Christians over ask for realistic things. Father God, 30,000 for hair. Shut up, darling. Shut up. Mukube biru ye juserwati ya kuzala. says the cut on a thousand hill is mine. Gold and silver is mine. I shall supply all your needs according to your riches in glory. That's how much I care about you. Even the hair that falls off your head, I number it. I have numbered the days of your life. The thoughts that I have toward you are like the sand on a seashore. 24-7, he's thinking about you. He said, a woman will forget her two-year-old child. But I will never leave you, nor forsake you. My mother can say, baby, I love to walk with you, but I'm busy right now. Jesus said, a mother can do that to her two-year-old. He said, you, I will never... Anytime. Yes, my Papa. I wonder. That's why me when I'm asking, I become a little bit young. You understand? He called it childlike faith. Yeah, thank you, darling. I, I don't I don't ask very seriously. I ask like I don't know how it's going to cost. I ask like I don't care its cost. I act like it's ours. You understand? Ah so that when you're interceding and then they see you like this in prayer, they will think you're just funny. No, you're not funny. You're not funny. You know what you're doing. When you're praying, don't over. Some of you, that's why you don't get answered prayer. Because you're always serious yourself. Chocolate, chocolate, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. No, don't do that. You just... I wonder... And I wonder. And, uh, no, no, no. That. And, uh, yeah, that. I'm still praying. Then after that, you sing songs like. Miki Saja Yesu Jona Jani Esenteza Yesu Zona Zani Mayumbaga Yesu Gonagani That's it! Today I entered office. Jan was seated at the reception. I just entered like this. This is how I entered office. Jan can tell you I entered like this. Do you know why I'm walking like that? I'm thinking of the million dollars, the multitude of people, the things God has given me. My God, don't you understand what I'm saying? The God that called the things that are not as though they are. You are a rich man's kid. Get a bit spoiled. You're a rich man's kid. You're not a kamukonawi. 
stop ever being serious for everything you're principled. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Electricity. Everything is like that. Before you know it, you're going to... That is why you watch some of us at 90. At 90, we shall be like this. The Bible says he renews our strength. I am stronger now than I was at 20. I'm stronger now than I was at 15. I'm going to be stronger at 40 than I was at 30. Why? Manange, can't you get a Muruganda? It's Serachi to say, I want to go to Fumanti Twayo no Neka. But I know one of Mokola, you know, Nekeko, Afgamor Kajeva Sera, Afgasulam, you may be expensive, Aunya perfume, and yet Spanange. Twako and Berenbi, Nava Chireta, Nevi Chireta, Twako. It's about time the child of God also got a bit spoiled. Some of you, they'll be putting you in newspapers. Drives expensive car. I tell you, when you're driving, you put on a number plate. Fanero. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like some people who ask God whether it's fair. Others will say, they are preaching holiness. People should walk out of sin. These ones are busy talking about cars. Listen, brother, we are holy. We are righteous. We've not stolen your money. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? But we are also rich. Chibarume! Chibarume! We are probably even more holier than you are because <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is Fanero. You're beautiful, you're handsome, you're rich, you're glorious, you're deep, you're anointed, you're increasing, you're multiplying, you're intelligent, you're everything. You're everything. So that when people look at you, they realize nothing is missing. Hey. So those things of Uzekandiamu Kene Wange, Kansuleku, Kukafali Sokange, Kasita Yesu, Amani, Balika Basuleku Vono, Ngaboyesu Tabamani, Zekaneba Kewansi, Kasita Yesu, Amani. Let me tell you. Gula six by six. Listen, I have a question. I have an honest question. Solomon was not broke. David was not broke. All of these guys go Abu Jawa. 
Chiniolanse wabuchawa. Demutukoya. Sit down and I finish. <laughs> Tell your neighbor it's working. What do I want to get? Akubanga guamani rangiri anaku. Olimwa wanaku alamu no inebi sibo inenaku kumutima. Nembo susosa naku buli chimwe chitota. Hey. Listen, salvation is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. So that people can look at us and say, you know what, let me get born again. But you find men of God. Sanjina, yes. That's what we teach. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want to finish this. When we were in Leviticus, in 17 verse 1, 11, sorry, he said that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Meaning that if you must look for life, it can only be in the blood. It can be outside the blood. Now, in Matthew 26, 27, God realized that the Old Testament was a testament with the blood of animals and goats. That was what sustained men to stop the sun. That was what sustained men to make axes float and raise dead men. The blood of goats, rams, and bulls. It could purge their consciences. And they went back home satisfied. That's a sermon, by the way. I'll preach it some other day. Without any worry, because animals were killed. That's Hebrews. You understand? And then he says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Because for them, all they needed was blood. Now listen. The blood of animals can cause a man with a relationship with God to stop the sun. Understand what I'm saying? Those Joshua's entirely survived by bulls and goats. They just, and then the blood God says, okay, I'll not look anymore. Jesus comes as the ultimate sacrifice. And he says in Matthew 26, 27, he says, and he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink, not some. No, he said, drink it all. Drink it all. You don't understand. Don't drink only holiness. Drink peace also. Drink righteousness also. Drink wealth also. Drink marriage also. Drink it, drink it all. Hey, turn your chin. You drink it all. Uh huh. Drink all of it. Tell anybody. Drink all of it. Tell him even in Luganda. Now listen. Listen. 
he realized that the New Testament needed another blood because the life is in the blood. So he says, this is my blood of the New Testament because the New Testament needs some blood and I don't want to give it with God's bulls and rams. I want to give it with my own blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now when that blood comes in the New Testament it is there only to say there is no sin counted. Who understands what I'm saying? He means that there is no sin what? Counted. God doesn't count. Because remember, if you're saying that me, I am being judged because of my generational curse. God said, okay, let me carry my blood in the testament. Let me carry my blood. Because remember, the Bible says, the life is in the blood. You can't say you have the life of God when you've not drunk the blood that has the life. And you've not only drunk one part of the blood, you've drunk the whole part of it. You understand? So now when you become born again, are you hearing me? You automatically have a blood which has life. Now, when HIV gets into that blood, it must understand it has entered the blood of Christ and excuse itself to a Jacob, not Israel. That is why now the Bible says that nothing from without can defile a man. It means you're not supposed to contract it because you had intercourse with someone with it. Now I'm not saying be funny. Don't get me wrong. I'm also saying should your husband be funny you won't contract it. Because it's not the affair of it to enter the blood and not know that it has entered a certain blood which was given because of the testament. Oh, oh, when Paul saw it, he says, No, you're not in Arena, you have come to Zion, the city of God, to the company of innumerable angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, which is the mediator of the new covenant, whose blood speaks better things oh whose blood speaks better things whose blood speaks better th- that's why when paul says in galatians 5 1 eh? i don't know whether some of you have read galatians 5 1 in the niv give me the niv read one two three go it is for freedom that christ set us free. It is for what? You were for freedom. He set you free for freedom. For freedom, tell your neighbor for freedom. Tell your neighbor for freedom. For freedom. Christ set us free. That is why I don't stand any spirit 
that can rob away my freedom. Mama, I want to be so free. Free to eat well, free to sleep well, free to heal the sick, free to cast out devils, free to do miracles, free to build what I want, free to drive what I want. I am free. Economies might not be free, but I am free. Institutions might not be free, but I am free. Third world countries might not be free, but I am free. Anything might not be free, but for me, I am free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Hallelujah. Now, that means you cannot have a generational curse. You only have a generational blessing. Sometimes Abraham can see a Christian eating cheap food and then he calls the other apostle and says, Peter, come, come, come and see. Peter, oh, 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 come and see what got you beaten for. Come, come, come. Look at her eating cheap food. Oh, oh, oh. then Paul said, ah, ah, no, no, Paul, don't come. You, you'll faint because they didn't understand the mystery. The, the apostles are saying, listen, respect the words. And the man who died for it. Please live big. Sleep big. Minister big. Dream big. Do big. Now to him which is able. To do. Exceedingly. Abundantly. Above. That which you hope. Or even expected. According to the working power. That worketh in us. Now. I'm going to give you. 60 seconds. Listen, 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 listen. Have a conversation with God, the richest man in the world can have. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have a conversation. The richest man in the world can have. That means you're not asking. No. You're going to look in your yard and see how many cars you have. You're going to look at your wife, your house, your children, your everything. Then you're going to say, hey God, why me? Thank you. Thank you. Somebody just thank God. Thank, thank God. You thank God. Just take 60 seconds before you leave and just honor the gospel and just thank God. Just, just thank God. Just thank God. Thank Him. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. You're going to finish well. I said you're going to finish well. It doesn't matter what has been in your life. It doesn't matter what they've spoken about you. It doesn't matter what they said against you. It doesn't matter who said what they said. It doesn't matter what your cousins or uncles think. It matters not one bit what anybody thinks. And let nothing shake you. Because the God who began a good work in you shall see to accomplishment to the door of Christ. You're under no chains. In the name of Jesus. Now listen to me. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand straight right now and we lead you in a confession prayer. If you've never given your life to Christ and you want to be born again now, raise your hands. I see hands there. Raise your hands. Welcome to the family. 
Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that you Lord. I'm born again. I enter the family of doing the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.